Today on In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Farrakh. This is one of those places in God's Word that I really believe the enemy will do everything he can to keep us from hearing and understanding. Why? Because he knows how powerful faith is in the life of a Christian, and he fears it. You ever think of it like that? You're listening to In Spirit and Truth, the radio ministry of Pastor J.D. Farag of Calvary Chapel, Kaneohe. Pastor J.D. is currently teaching through the book of Colossians. Faith is believing that God can do great things. The Colossian church was not known for their numbers, their building. They were known for their faith. They had enough faith to just believe. Today, Pastor J.D. teaches that we have not because we ask not. Do you want that kind of faith? A faith that trusts in the one true God that wants the best for you. Now, be sure to stay with us after today's message to hear how you can get your own copy of today's broadcast. Subscribe to the In Spirit and Truth podcast or download the In Spirit and Truth iPhone or Android mobile app. But for now, here's Pastor J.D. in the book of Colossians chapter 1 with today's edition of In Spirit and Truth. We begin a new book today, the book of Colossians. And our text today is going to be chapter 1, verses 1 through 6. On Sunday mornings, prior to the prophecy update, we're going through the Bible book by book and chapter by chapter and verse by verse. And we finished Philippians last week. And so now we begin in this amazing book of Colossians. I know I say that about every book of the Bible, but boy, are we in for a treat and a blessing, especially today. So verse 1, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, and Timothy, our brother, to God's holy people in Colossae, the faithful brothers and sisters in Christ. Grace and peace to you from God our Father. We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you, because we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love you have for all God's people the faith, verse 5, and love that spring from the hope stored up for you in heaven and about which you have already heard in the true message of the gospel that has come to you. In the same way, the gospel is bearing fruit and growing throughout the whole world just as it has been doing among you since the day you heard it and truly understood God's grace. I want to talk to you today about faith. Specifically, faith as it relates to believing God for great things. I believe that faith 
is one of the most misunderstood truths in the life of a Christian. I say misunderstood because the word faith teachings have robbed many a Christian and with it the Christian church of a vitally important truth in the Word of God. Sadly, these name it, claim it teachings have taken a powerful biblical truth to an unbiblical extreme, and in so doing have marred one of the greatest of promises available to us as God's people, namely that of just believing God by faith. I have to confess before we go any further that the Lord has been doing a work in my life. And I wish I could stand before you today and say that I'm this great man of faith. I wish I were. What stands out to me in these first six verses here in Colossians, is that Paul points out that which this Colossian church had become known for. They were known for their faith, their faith in Jesus Christ, and their love for God's people. I think of what Jesus said, by your love one for another, they will know, if that's what you're known for, they will know that you're my disciples, by your love. So the Colossian church was known for their faith, first and foremost, their faith in Jesus Christ and their love for God's people, and it came vis-a-vis their hope that was stored up in heaven. Did you catch that? Faith, hope, love, the greatest of which is love. In other words, think about this. The Colossian church was not known for their church building. They were not known for the number of people they had in attendance. They were not known for the number of services they had to have in order to accommodate all of those people. And maybe I'm speaking to myself and for myself, they were also not known for their pastor or their online following or their social media footprint. That's not what they were known for. What were they known for? Their faith. What I find interesting 
is that this church was likely a very small and insignificant church. So much so that there's no mention of this church in the book of Acts. Even more interesting, there's no record of the Apostle Paul himself having ever been to this church in Colossae, as he had all the other churches. Yet, in spite of this, in spite of this church being small and seemingly unimportant and inconsequential, we're told that the gospel was bearing fruit among them as it was all over the world. How can that be? (laughs) This is a, a small church. Oh, because of their faith. Because of their faith. Now this begs the question of why this church would rise to the level of Paul being inspired by the Holy Spirit to write this epistle to this church. Why is it, pray tell, that we don't have an epistle to the church in Antioch? In the canon of Scripture, we have included this epistle to this obscure church, unknown, inconsequential, this church in Colossae. I believe there are two reasons for this letter. The first of which is because of the false teaching of Gnosticism that had spread in Colossae. That's not the direction I sense that the Holy Spirit would have us go in today. It's the second reason that I believe the Holy Spirit would have us to focus our attention, and it's that of their remarkable and extraordinary faith. As I prayed at the beginning, this is one of those places in God's Word that I really believe the enemy will do everything he can to keep us from hearing and understanding. Why? Because he knows how powerful faith is in the life of a Christian, and he fears it. You ever think of it like that? Think of it like this. We're told, Jesus said, that the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus said, I have come that you might have life, and life more abundantly. And again, I forgive me for harping on this, but the prosperity gospel, which is a false gospel, the name it, claim it, blab it, grab it, just just believe and have faith, and you'll have what you want. No, 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 no. 
Again, I, I only mention that again is because we've become guilty, I think, of throwing the proverbial baby out with the bathwater, as it were. So we've gone to the opposite extreme. So we want to disenfranchise ourselves, rightfully so, from this false teaching. But we've gone to the other extreme and played right into the hand of the enemy who will do everything he can to disconnect the believer from the power that is ours by faith. You know, one of the things that really strikes me when I read the Gospels is how Jesus would marvel at and take notice of someone's faith or even their lack thereof. I think of when Jesus went to his hometown of Nazareth. We're told he did not do many miracles there because of their lack of faith. In other words, we can actually tie the hands of God's blessing and miracles with the ropes of our unbelief. It's not that God won't, it's that God can't, because we don't believe. Conversely, (laughs) there's the other side of that table. When someone had faith, and just believed, wow. Oh, they were on the receiving end of mighty miracles. That makes us uncomfortable, doesn't it? When you talk about miracles. Let me ask you, have you been on the receiving end of a miracle from the hand of God? I would venture to say that if I were to go around the room and give you the microphone and have you share the miracle that God had done in your life, we would all be so edified here today. In fact, let's do that. We'll start over here. And uh, no, I'm just, I'm just kidding. You should have seen the look on your faces when I did that. In Matthew's Gospel, chapter 8, in verses 5 through 13, we're introduced to this centurion. A centurion was one who had 100 under his command. Century, 100. He comes to Jesus when he was in Capernaum. Here's a powerful man who pleads, he's begging Jesus. And he says, Lord, calls him Lord, we're off to a good start. My servant is lying at home paralyzed, dreadfully tormented. 
Jesus tells him, okay, I will come and I will heal him. And listen to what this centurion says. He says, Lord, no, I'm not worthy that you should come under my roof. This is a centurion, not a Jew. This is a Gentile, a Roman Gentile. And he says to Jesus, only speak a word and my servant will be healed. Now, I don't know how you imagine Jesus in your mind's eye. I mean, I'm sorry to say, and I don't mean to ruin your day, all of the pictures we have of Jesus, I, He didn't, didn't look like that. Okay, just, just saying. All right. I don't imagine, I don't know how you imagine what he was like, what he looked like, how, what he talked like. But can you imagine the Savior being somewhat taken back? Oh, wait a minute. Come on, Pastor. He's God incarnate. He's all-knowing. Certainly he's not going to be caught off guard or taken by surprise. Yet when I read the narrative, it seems to indicate to me that Jesus was really moved. We're told that when Jesus hears this, he marveled. He was amazed. And he said to those who followed, apparently there was a crowd present there close in proximity to this dialogue that was taking place between the centurion and the Savior. And he says this, Assuredly, I say to you, I have not found such great faith, not even in Israel. He goes on to say some other things quite bluntly, but then after he says this, he turns to the centurion and listen to what he says. Go your way. (laughs) And as you have believed, so let it be done for you. Stop right there. This goes both ways too. As you have believed, so let it be done to you. Really? Well, let's take it to the other side. As you have believed, so let it be done to you. Uh-oh. I haven't believed. I think of the man. When Jesus asked him, do you believe? He said, I believe, but help my unbelief. I want to believe. In other words, proportionate to what you believe, it will be done according to your faith. 
And then we're told, very detailed, very specific, and his servant was healed that same hour. Are we to conclude that his servant was healed at that very hour because the centurion believed? Yes! I want to ask you a question, and I'm going to ask it again. I ask it of myself. Please know. Do you believe? Come on, pastor. You're insulting me. I don't mean to insult any anyone. No, I ask you sincerely, honestly, humbly. Do you believe? Do you believe God can do anything? As you have believed, so let it be done for you. In Matthew chapter 9, verses 27 through 29, we're told that two blind men followed Jesus, again, pleading with Him to have mercy on them. Then we're told that when Jesus had gone indoors, the blind men came to Him, and Jesus asks them this question, Do you believe that I am able to do this? I think that's the question that is asked of every single one of us here today. Do you believe that I can bring that wayward daughter, that prodigal son home? Do you believe that I could do that? Do you believe that I can bring a physical healing to your body? Do you believe that I could do that? Do you believe that I can provide for your every need? Do you believe that I can do that? Do you believe that there is nothing too hard for the Lord? Do you believe that? What was their answer? (laughs) They replied to Jesus saying two words. Yes, Lord. Done. Done. The Apostle Paul's letter to the Colossian church emphasized that Jesus is God, going against the claims of the false teachers at that time. As followers of Jesus, you're asked to adopt this view as well. Jesus is the only qualified substitution for the punishment of your sins. Because of the authority he holds as God, He took your sins to the cross and then defeated death forever by rising again. If you'd like to know how you can have a personal relationship with Jesus, we'd love to tell you more. Visit InSpiritAndTruthRadio.com and click on the ABCs of salvation. This is a great way to learn why you need Jesus, how He saves you, and how you can call on His name and be transformed forever. 
When you go through this process, please let us know. We'd love to be praying for you as you begin this relationship with Jesus. Just click on Contact under the About tab and send us a quick note. Links to both are available at our website. If you're in the area, you're invited to come join us in person at Calvary Chapel Kaneohe for our weekly worship services. We get together every Sunday at 8.30 and 10.45 a.m. or come by on Thursdays at 7 p.m. for an in-depth time of Bible study. Directions can be found on our website. Again, that's in spiritandtruthradio.com. If you can't join us in person, we hope you'll find a local church community soon that you can call home. What a blessing it is to have a family of faith to support you as you grow in Christ. That's all we have time for today. Thanks for joining us for In Spirit and Truth.